This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of that union, Jay, we have a guest Here we go. returning. Who is it? Who you is might it? remember him from such albums as Wonderful Life by the Tories, Human Radio's okay. self-titled, Caviar's self-titled, American Highway Flower by Dada, Eyewitness by Shades Apart, Death Rays self-titled, and Wunderbands self-titled. That's four self-titled albums. Current I record holder. Pattern. Current yeah. record holder. Also the record yeah. holder for most albums not on streaming. <laughs> that's my goal that is the goal welcome back to the show whitney Bueller. how are you doing thanks i'm doing great great the, i didn't even mention all the round tables ah oh, don't don't i mean you're just gonna intimidate people if you tell them all the round i know tables, it's I it's three six nine twelve this is episode 13 lucky yeah. number 13 yeah if it actually mattered at all i mean i'm I wrote every song on every one of those albums. That's why I picked them. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, your last pick, um, Wunderband. Is, that how, is it just Wonderband or am I saying? I correct? say Wonderband. Okay. I, Wonderband. Um, <laughs> I look like good spirit, with the language. Wunderband. I'm not going to try that. <laughs> are there like umlauts or something? Why are you? There is there an umlaut. There's an umlaut. Oh, yeah, oh, okay. there is. Okay. Uh, yeah, I that think that was, one had like three listeners or something on Spotify. So that was. And we doubled it. Yes. yes. So I just want to say that the Dig Me Out ripple effect is in full mm-hmm. gear. <laughs> we are. We make sure that uh, your obscure records are heard by dozens. And we are happy to do that. So. I, I sense a trend with your picks. There's a lot mm-hmm. of. A lot of stuff that might be called melodic, might be called power pop or power pop adjacent. Mm-hmm. So I know you went death metal with this one. I did. <laughs> what did you pick for 2024? What's your album pick? Uh, my pick is Love uh, Baltimucho by uh, Love Nut. Baltimucho. I think it's from the land of pleasant living is like a subtitle for it or something like that. I can't yes. read it on the background behind me. From the land of pleasant living, Baltimucho. Um, is that supposed to be a play on the word Baltimore? Yeah. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. So how'd you, how'd you discover this band? Uh, uh, there was that late nineties power pop craze and I kind of, it tailed you know, it kind of dovetailed with all the posies and all the other uh, Tories and all that other power pop stuff I was listening to at the at the time. So it's just another band I found. Uh, I did not hear this one on the radio. Surprise, surprise! Um, it was just a discovery. I think I used to I used to um, talk to a guy named Bruce Burdine at Not Lame Recordings, and he kind of turned me onto it and stuff. So that was ah. 
I well, used to do this silly little internet radio station. I think I might have mentioned before, right? Mm -hmm. Load up all these playlists and people listen to it stuff and bands that send me CDs and press kits and stuff. It was fun for a few years, but uh, okay, not as That's high how as you, you guys. Not as crazy. Yeah, was so it, I was got it a lot like, of submissions like the and late stuff. nineties? Yeah, late nineties, early aughts. Yeah, it was fun, Yeah, but that's well. how you you were flooded with a of a lot of stuff that's hard to find. I'm I'm guessing because there was so Yep. much music being released then, there was a good and if portion you of it was not great, but whatever. yeah, Basically, yeah. if you, well, if if you had a PO box, I did. bands were going to send it to you, send you stuff. Yep, Yeah, all kinds of stuff. And I shouldn't say not. I, most of it was good. If I listened to it a few times, I started enjoying it. So yeah, that's basically how. You did pick an obscure one here, um, even though they had some dalliances with the majors. Uh, the band does not have a huge internet presence. This album is not streaming. Um, thankfully, you Nope, provided not us this with one. some flack files, Yes, I did. I thought you which guys I appreciated immediately turned the into high fidelity. MP3s because I can't Oh, nice. listen to flack. Sorry. <laughs> what do you think? I'll I'm remember running some that next sort of time. high tech operation over here. I can play <laughs> flack files. How do we? I don't even know how to All do signs that. are you do. Look at that background you fixed up. So we mentioned this is a band from Baltimore. Jay, are you, are you big with the Baltimore scene? Were you familiar with this band? No, I wasn't. Um, Me neither. is the Baltimore scene different than the DC scene or is it Um, based kind of the on same? my viewing of The Wire, yes. Okay. But that's all I have to go off of Okay. Don't is we The have Wire. some, some More kind than of me. a city combo channel in the Discord for Washington and Baltimore and something? Right. So I think I kind we of just thought they made added that. we we have a it's a DC Baltimore Richmond combo, Oh, okay. which maybe, yeah, wonder if with this record, if Baltimore kind of has their own scene or if it's really, at that point, if you're that close to all those cities, Right. you just kind of just play them all. Like a Dallas Fort Worth situation. Yeah, They're that not kind too of thing. far apart. Yeah, I mean, DC is well known because of like Discord records and the punks hardcore, you know, that scene. But I don't Baltimore is not quite as it, it from it, in my mind as well known. I would be Yeah. hard pressed to name other bands from Baltimore. I know Cal Ripken is from Baltimore, but that's not from Baltimore. <laughs> way to go <laughs> he played there. Uh so uh I didn't know of this band. I feel like I knew the name for some reason. Maybe the the CD came into the radio station in the mid 90s. Like it sounds like a name of a band. it I should does know. I yeah But I didn't. yeah I uh I submitted this I think once just as a one of the Okay. round just the runoffs that we have I forget what you guys call them but I The submitted tournament's it once death. It was duly trounced by everything else, but what else Got is new? it. So I was able to dig up a little history. Uh, I'll give it to you here. History of the band. From Baltimore, as mentioned, they put out their first record on Merkin Records in 1995 and then got signed to Interscope and it was re-released. And I guess... They didn't really like the way that things were going with Interscope because they asked to be released from the, the contract when they were making their second record. Now, interestingly enough, um, Interscope hooked them up with Ed Stasium. So he is the guy who produced this record. Yeah. Jay, I know you're a fan based on Well, his...
his work. Yeah, I mean, I'm loving what he did with the replacement. So I was pretty excited when I started listening to this and saw he was the producer. Um, so I know, then, did, I know he produced Smithereens albums too. Yep, I don't know how many, but a few. So Bastards of Melody was 95 and then again in 96. They record the next record. Interscope, I read an, uh, an interview with the band, um, which was uh, Andy Bopp on vocals and guitar, Dave Vestpoint on bass, and Joe Parsons, uh, the drummer. Um, and then lead vocalist and or lead guitarist i don't know if he, i don't know who the exactly the lead vocalist is here it doesn't say in this article max Mueller is the other vocal guitarist so there's it's a four piece um he said that they you know they were at interscope right when no doubt and bush exploded and they saw the writing on the wall that like they're not going to care about us anymore like we might like now that they have these huge bands like we're not going to get any marketing you know, help or anything. So just let us go. So then they ended up leaving and they signed to big deal, uh, which is a, which was a label um, in the nineties and two thousands in New York city, a bunch of shown knife albums were released on that record or on that label. And also enough's enough, multiple nice. enough's enough albums were released on big deal records. Hmm. Uh, the album, 1985, and the album after that, um, what was it called? Peach Fuzz. <laughs> so there you go. Label mates with enough's enough. Get Donnie V out there and, and do some touring. The riches uh, will soon be yours. Yes. Kind of the it kind of ends there. <laughs> I don't have a lot of information. Um, I know that like Andy Bop. Um, has been in other bands, um, done other work, not familiar with any of the names of those bands. Um, same thing with um, Max Mueller. Uh, I think they were together in a band called New Alliance, maybe after this. Or maybe before, I don't know. But they were in another band together and they've done other stuff. So, But again, finding... <laughs> information about this band was pretty light did you get anything else in any searches whitney or was that pretty much the same i think thing? i sent you links to some of the things that you were talking about i think yeah. i sent you some links in the emails um i remember fearing, hearing a few uh curious things like um Andy andy bob was kind of worshipped once when they got signed by interscope so there was a lot of hangers on in wherever baltimore or whatever um a lot of a lot of college radio heat for that first album I mean, you know, it's relative love. And I don't know how much of a following they had with the first record, but um, yeah, I, I think uh, Max, is it Mueller? Is that his name? Yeah. I can't remember. I think he sings, I know he sings on Essex Hair, which is one of the like 10th or 11th song on the record. Okay. I kind of like, I kind of would like to hear more from him vocally, lead vocals, but most of that's Andy Bob. Andy Bob's kind of uh, in power pop circles. He's um, done some stuff. Um, uh, where he's he's kind of a jangle he, he's kind of got some jangle pop stuff that he's um pretty famous for he's put out a lot of stuff recently that i hmm. really really like not the last album because he kind of went a folk rock direction which is weird 
but he's really put out a lot of material in the last four or five years, which I've liked because he's kind of a guitar. Strangely, in power pop circles, he's kind of a guitar hero, I guess, a little bit. Um, but Interesting. yeah, that's about all the extra stuff I have on them. The first record made it to number 25 on CMJ's most requested list, but apparently it didn't sell well. So that was part of the reason why maybe Interscope wasn't as excited about them as, say, Gwen Stefani and No Doubt. <laughs> that might well, have been. I think, the, I think they also said, one of the band members said, you know, I think it was Max Mueller basically said, yeah, you know, we're kind of a hard sell with the type of music we play for the things that were getting played on the radio back then. So right. maybe it was a thing where Interscope was just signing like every anybody and hoping someone, you know, caught on or something. Sure, you're looking for a, a a single to pop up and yeah, you know, catch on and maybe a video or something like that. Absolutely. We'll share the poll results of our Worthy Album Better EP Decent Single poll from Patreon at the end of the show, but we did get some comments. Uh, <laughs> Ian, I love that Ian chimes in even when he can't listen to the... He said, it's not an Apple Music, so I'm unable to justify my continuing trend of Decent Single. I didn't vote. I am looking forward to the episode. So there you go. Awesome. I appreciate his dedication. Yes, absolutely. I don't know if he wants to hear the music or like see me or something. Maybe I don't know. You voted where the album. Well, uh, I had to, right? Of course, right. Uh, Richard Waterman said, interesting album for 1998. Not sure how this would have ever had a chance of success at that time. As Witt said, Shades of Cheap Trick and other power pop rock bands. I heard some Doughboys, Velvet Crush, Slow and Red Cross. There's also some left field weirdness to be found. I really like Love Found You, Stolen Picture, and some other more up-tempo tracks. I think this band is better when they play hard and fast. I wonder if anyone else will think the opening line of Manor Machine sounds like Bon Jovi. Just think Shot Through the Heart. Better EP, but like six songs are really good in my opinion. There you go. That's Richard's take. That matters That's, to me, by the way, what Rich says. It's huge. Matters to all of us. <laughs> he he's a, he is a, a sage and wise yes. man. He very, very much so. Uh, let's get into talking about this record. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Baltimucho by Love Nut. It's a band that you can tell, I mean, pretty obviously in the power pop genre too, that you know they're using the Beatles as it's a core of what they're doing. And I mean that by like the harmony choices, um, the way that they're using many voices uh, to create these huge hooks, the melodies and a lot of, you know, there's moments here around chord changes where you're just like, Oh man, that's a, such a Beatles chord change. Uh, some of the vocal delivery as well. So that's kind of the root of the band. I think what's really interesting though, which, which isn't that uncommon, right? Uh, I think what is interesting though is then they fuse that with a bunch of different styles to kind of create their own thing. So you hear a song like Love Found You, which to me has like a 70s glam rock vibe to it. It almost sounds like uh, The Wonders Meets Kiss. <laughs> it's got a little bit of like a, you know, a sugary like 60s rock pop thing going on and then it has a chorus where you're like oh damn that's the chorus paul stanley wish he could write uh, so it, it, you know that's one example then you kind of move in an ever-changing world which has a little of the glam, 70s glam thing going on but it also mixes in some like 60s sounds and some maybe even psych sounds 
Falta Mucho and Essex Hair have this punk element. They sound like just, you know, Green Day or the Wild Hearts. You know, it's pretty edgy, fairly aggressive. Again, super melodic, but definitely a different tone than the other songs I mentioned. Man or Machine um, gets a little proggy and weird. In a, in a queen kind of way there's even some guitar lines in there that are like these guitar harmonies and stuff that very brian mask so i love that they're covering all that ground and it doesn't feel like they're genre hopping like i to get to those comparisons i really had to like focus and you know break it down if you just experience those songs you know as a normal listener would there's things about it that feel familiar, but it's not like hitting you over the head with like, okay, now we're going to do a queen song. You know, it's not like that. Uh, so I, I think they're making it their own, you know, overall tone wise too. There's, there's a diversity there. They're, they're kind of exploring the, you know, the spectrum in terms of using that Beatles influence and going as far as they can with it. So there's, there's like I mentioned some edgy hard rock stuff. There's also like, a handful of these like i don't know how else to describe them but like kind of these sweeping anthemic ballad tempo songs but they're not really ballads you know uh, they're very melodic they've got some energy to them um at times it gets into a space almost like crowded house or a little like weezer um so th there's a handful of songs that are in that space too one of the things i think that really caught my ear and it that helps all of this come together and, and be you know so unique is i think the guitar playing so i'll just point out the song uh baltimucho when you you get to that chorus what uh, that song kind of hits you right away right it's pretty high energy again it has that a little bit of a green day feel to it but the chorus has this guitar line in it and this is you know pretty much the first song on the record there's a little intro piece but and when they get to that little guitar line it clues you in of like oh this band's about some there's there's gonna I'm, there's gonna be more here at play than what i'm hearing on this song like i'm getting the hooks i'm getting the energy but like there's just little there's just a guitar run in that chorus you're like okay that that guitar player knows how to play and like that choice was like uh, pretty sophisticated a lot of bands wouldn't have done that or wouldn't been able to do that and i think it's just a little example of like that happens throughout the record but it also kind of clues you in of like their skill um and sort of competence in, in songwriting so that's some of the stuff that i liked you know there, there's quite a bit of variety under the hood if you look for it but it doesn't like hit you over the head with you know, so much, um, you know, so many left turns that you get confused on what the band's about. I think it's diverse, but also very cohesive. What worked for you, Tim? I am glad you mentioned 70s glam because I was trying to pinpoint there's a specific guitar sound to this record. It has almost a direct feel on some of it because it's so buzzy. And you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, it has... Dry. It's very dry. Yeah. And I kept hearing Fox on the run. 
in, in part, it reminded me of like like I bet this band could do could have done a killer ver- like hyped up version of that song. Yeah, it's not and, a bad thing. Good song. Yeah, and I I feel like this is almost like a '90s version of Sweet in a lot of ways. They're just like these big anthemic power pop songs, but there's like you mentioned, it, there's a little bit more going on under the hood where they could have just played a chord. The guitar player is doing really cool little runs. There's really interesting leads. things that you would expect from a band in the power pop genre there's hand claps you know there's there's big chorus parts with lots of dynamics like you mentioned in love found you i mean that's just a killer song and it happens throughout the record yes there are tinges of the typical touchstones like the beatles and that kind of stuff but it feels a little bit more I mean, it definitely feels like 90s power pop to me when I'm listening to it. If there are songs that I was like, "Ooh, this this would have been on a mixtape with the posies like this wasn't far off from this. Or you mentioned about some of the stuff that gets more more ballady, like Foolish Game uh, is another one, not which is not the uh, there's another Foolish Game out there that I'm thinking of. That's <laughs> it's not that song, but it still has like you mentioned them being ballads but not really ballads it still has like a an oomph to it like it doesn't completely turn into a schlocky kind of you know my heart will go on or something like that it it actually has like a little bit of kick in the pants that makes it better than just a regular ballad and if you go away is another one that i liked as far as the slower it's like a perfect spot to 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 cool it down like you you start out you just get buzzed in the face by Baltimucho and Bob Pine and then love found you and stolen picture, which stolen picture. I really like the piano part that's in that um, as well. Then you get to cool it down a little bit for, if you go away and catch your breath, it's a, it's a nice sequencing there. And also mention the fact that these are a lot of quick songs. I mean, Bob Pine is a minute 16. <laughs> uh, I think that most of these songs are, under 330 and some of them are in the under there's a couple that are under two minutes yeah that uh, essex hair and and bob pine are both under two minutes i mean this this band has a sweet spot they know how to get to about 320 310 and get out and it's a nice sweet spot um but i just the the sound of this record the again thanks to mr ed uh, it just sounds good. The guitars are just ripping on this record, and I really like that. So that's what worked for me. 
Whitney, you brought this record to us. What works for you? Uh, yeah, you guys are so good at picking stuff apart like that. It's I, You're hitting almost everything I've got notes for. But yeah, so this is probably the most power poppy thing I've picked in what, seven years or whatever. And I was kind of hesitant to do that because I was thinking, ah, I kind of want to go a Helmet Betty direction or Trompe Lamond, you know, something Pixies. But I just kind of want to get this stuff out there. The stuff nobody hears is more fun to me than the stuff that's just really popular. Um, not as obscure as uh, Wonder uh, Wonder Band or maybe the artist known as Tim Nietzsche. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's lots of energy. Uh, record sounds big, and by big I mean like huge. Yeah. Um, all the stuff about the buzzy guitars is right on. It's it's um, I think the lyrics are a little generic, but they aren't going to date like you know mentions of like uh, what are the fountains of Wayne uh, Corn or Puff Daddy or whatever. We're not going to have to deal with that dated right. lyrics. Um, uh, e- you know, if you go away, that's like the flame part two. I mean, it could be a cheap trick song. Um, Manor Machine's weird. It's got a really great sounding and kind of grand sounding bridge. Um, uh, it's probably the most unique sounding song on the record, or the most different sounding. Somebody mentioned it was kind of almost proggish. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like Misfortune. They dropped some nice harmonies in on this song. The album doesn't have a ton of like really killer harmonies they have good ones but not not like not a lot of layered harmonies and stuff i don't know it seems like just a couple you know a couple vocals making a harmony um everything is going your way is like a rick nielsen type of thing it sounds like there's some roger joseph manning sounding jellyfish keyboards in there that i can pick apart I got like a lot of 60s vibe or I get a lot of 60s vibe off stuff like Misfortune. Um, There's another one on there that really casualty um, also has a really classic 60s pop sound, but it's got a lot of really loud guitars and some really smack drums. Um, uh, Yeah, I just enjoy it. I I was a little bit concerned of becoming a little repetitious uh, with my picks, but um, they're entertaining records. They're just things that just people like if they hear them usually. Um, so I, I I wanted to kind of highlight this one as I what I thought was a was another really solid power pop '90s thing that flew under the radar of grunge and you know everything else. So I think Tim, you mentioned the uh, you know even when they slow down, they still have like some there's some energy there. There's some edge. It's not it doesn't get like I don't know, listless or boring. I also want to point out a song like Misfortune, which, you know, is up tempo. It's got a good riff. 
but that's also if you listen to that song especially the chorus like other bands you know would have take could have taken a very similar approach to the drums and rhythm of that song but there's a subtlety to the way it's played where it goes from being like something that could be very kind of plotting and almost dull and he just like has enough feel to it and the way that they kind of get on the backbeat that it's it just has a much better energy to it like it keeps propel, prop, propelling the song and, and not getting into this kind of like plotty generic power poppy feel like it still has an energy to it it's just little clever things like that where you see the skill come across and like um it can elevate some material that i think in other hands could very easily become not that amazing so I, I think there's some performance stuff here that's really important to a lot of, you know obviously with bands that are trying to write pop and you know in a power pop sort of space songwriting is so important and the harmonies kind of are another big part of that but i think there's a high level of skill here from every player that's captured on the record mm-hmm I would say if you go away is that way it starts out and I, you know, after all that energy that comes from like Baltimore and Bob Pine and then love found you and stolen picture or whatever, here comes this, if you go away and it's this ballad, which is not my favorite song on the record, but what it does have in it, it's got like a bridge that carries the song, just elevates the song and, and it, what could become plotting actually becomes kind of a highlight of the record. It's just, yeah. um, it's neat how they can, uh, yeah, there's a lot of flourishes here that um, that I pick up on still when I listen to this, which is quite often, actually. I'm glad you mentioned the um, it's the bridge section in Man and Machine, right? There, that remind that gave me a jellyfish vibe. Like I could hear the the influence of that, which then takes me back to like Cheap Trick. Like Cheap Trick would do. And it's a lot of it is chord choices and voicings where you're not just playing basic E minor G, you know, major, that kind of stuff, but you're coming up with some really like interesting fifths and sevenths and those kinds of kinds of things that you don't normally hear in rock music. I mean, you, you know, and the fact that they're using it in just the bridge of a three minute song is pretty interesting that's not that's not a choice that a lot of bands would make um i think you mentioned casualty j that was the one that had the posies vibe to me he has hmm. it's i don't i think because he's singing there must be some minor chords in that song because he i feel like it's not as bright vocally as some of the other songs mm-hmm. um and the posies although they're power pop and they're very poppy there's some dark sounding music on especially frosting on the beater which is sort of the touchstone for when i'm talking about the P- the posies because i'm going to be c- quite frank i don't know that i've listened to i've listened to like uh, amazing disgrace and what's the one before year 23 three or 23 but I, that's beyond that i haven't listened to a lot of the posies albums me neither those are the three yeah i guess i, I guess i i've got the major ones Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk about that outro song for a minute, though? Yeah, Crop we Duster. Can. I got a few notes. Uh, that's wild. Like, 
I was not yeah. expecting a 10 minute long. Uh, I guess it's a song and then they do just basically a freak out jam and then they go into another song which apes some of while my j- guitar gently weeps and then go back into the <laughs> the guitar freak out jam to end mm-hmm. it. Uh, that's an interesting choice. Only in the 90s could you pull something that like that off. So uh, good on them for doing it because yeah, that's actually I, I would... one of the more unique things I've seen where, or heard where they actually go back to the song as opposed to just going to like a completely different song and leaving it. I didn't realize until I was kind of listening to it more, you know, going to talk about it with you guys. I didn't realize that it kind of led back to where the, the noise that ended the first four minutes, you had your 30 seconds of silence. Then it turned into this like Cobain, like pop thing that, I don't know. That's what it reminded me of. It was kind of had a Nirvana vibe to it. It felt like something in the way. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. And then it, um, then it finished up with these noisy guitars and a sitar. And it was like, is this, this is like Beatles. And I hate to, I hate to use Beatles, Big Star and Badfinger when I talk about power pop because Beatles are not, they're just a thing. And uh, I, I don't really think I like just straight up, like purest power pop i like noise which is probably why mm-hmm. i'm liking things like shiner and Hellman. i'm always talking about those things that, yet i never bring them in as albums but i mean you know i don't i don't like just real straightforward pop and jangle stuff it's just boring to me so an album like this where they do that kind of thing like they do with crop duster which i was concerned about because it's a 10 minute song and it put it up over like 50 minutes uh i thought oh no it's too long of a record for tim and jay but um well we'll yeah, get into it's really that. it's really unique okay all right there jay, i said my piece about that song you said your piece Is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? Well, I definitely like when they're um, a little noisier, a little edgier. They take, you know, some unexpected turns, a little louder. Uh, When they get, I I think on the quiet side, it's all very good. It just becomes vanilla and a little bit more forgettable. So I think that's my only crit- criticism and, and, and it's not even whole songs. It's like sections of songs, you know, it'd be like maybe the chorus and falling down is a little bland or foolish game. I like the verse, but I don't love the chorus. Like it, it's really good. It's just not as distinct. You know, there's moments of this record you could flip on and just randomly like pick some a variety of moments and some of them you'll put on and be like, wow, this is like really interesting and not like 
you know, this is a downtown and there's other parts you could flip to and be like, this could be anybody. Um, so that's my only criticism is that, you know, it's an, it's a tough spot for any band trying to do what this band is trying to do. It's like that. This is the trap is like, you want to be, you know, really hooky, you know, sort of live in that space that all the bands that they we've all talked about and I'm sure that they loved lived in, but you also want to do your own thing. And I think, you know, 90% of the time on this record, they're doing their own thing. It's just, there's a 10% where it just feels a little vanilla. How about you, Tim? Anything that worked? hundred percent agree with you. Uh, up until, so like the first eight tracks I'm on board up to foolish game, which is a nice ballad, but then everything after that, except for, Essex hair is basically mid-tempo or slow. You know, casualty yep. is mid-tempo, misfortune is mid-tempo, everything is going your way is slow, falling down is mid-tempo, message is mid-tempo. Crop duster is its own thing with that crazy long outro reprise. Um, so it just, it's not that, the, like you said, it's not that the songs are bad. It's just a lot of the same in a row. I can take a lot of up-tempo guitar noise in a row, but I definitely felt like the drag in the back half where it's just like, mm, I need one. I needed one more up-tempo song like at between 10 and 11, like 10.5. That's where it needed to be. And I think it would have helped break stuff up. Yes, it's a 50-minute album, but the, the last track is... 10 minutes so it's really a 40 if you cut that out it's a 40 minute record of 14 songs that's pretty good like i don't really <laughs> i have a complaint about anything in terms of length but it fits on a vice a vinyl slab really nicely uh with you know seven songs per side uh when you throw in that last 10 minutes then it did it kind of like becomes too much like because there's a whole other song in there too so it's really 16 songs that got that was a little bit like a little too indulgent but i liked it i so i'm not like i'm not saying get rid of it i'm just saying maybe some of the songs some of the mid-tempo songs needed to get chopped in order to move up crop duster which by the way that's about a plain crop duster not walking around the room while you're firing right <laughs> i hope so god i, I hope so <laughs> Just thought that would be awkward. Is there anything that doesn't work for you on the album, Whitney? Yeah, I think, um, like I said before, the lyrics are a little generic. Um, not a lyrics guy again, so doesn't really matter that much to me, but I can see where that might get some people, you know, oh, I wish this was it didn't bother more me. Interesting lyrically. Yeah. I don't, Did it bother you, Jay? I no. I mean, okay, I just want for the band There's like to scratch like it. I want a great There's a little chorus. predictability in terms of um, there's some moments where you're like, oh, I know where this line is going next. Mm -hmm. Either word wise or just vowel uh, wise, but there was no lyrics that really popped to me like, oh boy, that's bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I, oh, sorry. I was going to say, as long as the melody is as catchy as they are and the hooks are this good, I kind of don't care what the lyrics are. Unless they're offensive. Like if this was offensive, then it would be a problem. Yeah. But there's nothing it offensive. It's like 80s rock or 80s metal or something, right? Right. If this was. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I 
That's our other podcast. How are we going to sidestep that on that podcast? How are we going to sidestep? We will be taking that head on. We're not going to sidestep that. (laughs) Okay, good. God. But if they had thrown in a USSR reference, I would have been all all for it. (laughs) I will say another thing. I think Andy Bob's vocals are a little thin. I mean, there's times he kind of channels. I can't believe I'm going to say this. He kind of channels Robin Zander a little bit, but he doesn't have the pipes to do it. Yeah. Like, but he gets close sometimes but his vocals are a little thin and I, I would like to hear the other vocalists sing a little more like on Essex hair but and I Tim I can see your point um about foolish game being like where it starts to slow down quite a bit uh or after that but man casualty and misfortune are such good songs uh I just can't and Essex hair is another good one I like crop duster I think I could dump message um and everything is going your way is all right falling down is kind of it i don't know it's kind of weak yep. but yeah other than that there's just a few songs i could i could jettison but all in all that's that's it i do think i was really concerned about making this pick because i thought geez i have kind of a power pop rep this is as power poppy as i've been with my picks so you're a guy you're yeah. a dealer or power i'm pop a dealer. dealer i don't know like phil and those guys they kind of know it pretty well too um but yeah, I keep bringing that. I keep bringing this stuff forward, don't I? I, I don't mind. I mean, okay. when we get to find good stuff, then... but you know, dig me out. It's kind of like it's supposed to be like grunge and stuff. So no, no, not at all. <laughs> as long as it's, we would generally consider it rock, and it came out in the nineties. It's fair game. I will you bet go. you a large sum of money, but not over ten dollars, that. If you were to go through each year and me talking what what the favorite albums were each year and probably J2, almost none of them at the end of the year ended up being grunge records. Like huh. the first year, I said my favorite song of the year was Crucifunkin by... Uh, <laughs> by <laughs> and I got, I, I, got, I got back, I got feedback about that. Like, how, what? <laughs> you got some notes? I got Neil Schmidt was the one who was like, you picked Crucifunkin as your favorite song <laughs> of the year of, of 51 albums that you've re- reviewed. And that was your favorite song of the whole year. And looking back, you know, we did failure and super drag. Yeah. And <laughs> well, we, other- I think we were doing stuff we had never heard before that we thought was kind of fun, but yes, right. I get the point. I mean, I like grunt truck, but that was like, that's probably the only year where a grunge esque record made it into like our, yeah, it always tends to be stuff that's not grunge, and which, to be fair, really the most of the decade wasn't grunge. Yeah, there might have been some grunge offshoots and some grunge, uh, you know, second generation, third generation bands, but so I feel like in a lot of ways, bands like Radiohead were almost as big or bigger than mm-hmm. like look at how many bands that Radiohead spawned off of that sound like Radiohead. I mean, you have Coldplay, which dominated a lot of the 2000s, which with their Radiohead sound. uh, I don't think anybody's, I mean, you know, you had your Creeds and your Nickelbacks and that kind of stuff, but that all kind of, that's all kind of gone. So what I'm saying is you're in good company. (laughs) Yeah, me and my inferiority complex on the uh, DMO. (laughs) podcast not at all now 
I do think that Richard bringing up that this was basically DOA in 1998 is is accurate. Like very much so. I don't Although hear a how... band like Marvelous Three comes along with like Hey album and gets a few hits and stuff like that, so it wasn't entirely dead. But not quite as this is. Uh, there's a different vibe to this than Marvelous Three, right, Jay? Like. Well, just... I mean, there were, I think there were a lot of bands, and this is the classic power pop story, right? There's a lot of bands doing it throughout, let's just say the 90s, but none of them are successful. The Grey's great example. Like, this is in the ballpark of that, you know, slightly different flavor, but that band wasn't successful, <laughs> but mm-hmm. people love it. Um, and I think the when you get into like, okay, what power pop bands are successful, you really start to like stretch what the genre means. You start to get into like arguments that Weezer's power pop, you know, <laughs> but for the most part, it's like a genre destined to not be popular and to only ever have cult success. Um, so in that way, it kind of makes sense. Uh, could this band tweak some things here and there and like, been more like a green day or more like a foo fighters or more like something that was you know commercially i don't want to say viable but just like easier to package and understand probably but you know i think they they're doing what they did now i also say like if you're really familiar with like the posies and some of the bands we've talked about, I think this sounds to your point, Tim, like the nineties, but if you're not familiar with the band, those bands, I, I think this sounds like pretty timeless. Like mm-hmm. there's something about the production where you're like, Oh shit, that's 1998. Um, this could have come out this year and I would be like, Hmm, cool, cool new band. Um, I wouldn't have questioned the production or the sound or anything about it, right? So yeah, not the production. It sounds great. Yeah, it's it is a great sounding record. Uh, I think if you if they had maybe kept up with the whole bastards of melody, their first record, kept up with that whole vibe, they probably could have got a little more, a little more Green Day Blink kind of, because they were pretty noisy in that on that first yeah. album. But you could hear power pop leanings on that first record a lot too the more i listen to it it's just not as blatantly influenced by it as this is and when i say blatantly i mean that as a compliment i mean i like that this is influenced by the good stuff that happened in the past and that's the problem that power pop groups also the you know the burden they bear is that they are always labeled as derivative no matter what they do right because there's so much of it like you said in the past Mm -hmm. and stuff like stuff like the who and elvis costello and all those guys you know whatever i'm just throwing two out um it's just it's it's kind of just rock music and for some reason townsend called it power pop and that it's stuck but it's really just melodic rock music so it's tough to really distance yourself you they're not they don't have a lot of weirdness like whatever that song that tim said was his favorite they don't have they didn't of night of the what was that what was that song called tim you just mentioned that you were saying you uh we were laughing at that you picked for your favorite song of a certain year crucifunkin (laughs) 
yeah, there's there's no real Crucifunken on this record or anything like that. That is maybe a little bit of a novelty. So, but no. One, one thing I'm thinking about based on what we're talking about too that maybe is typical of the genre and typical of this band is like the vocal is very much about delivering the song and harmony. And it's not like a powerhouse or just super distinct or isolated or any of the things you typically hear in pop, like true radio pop hits tend to have a lead vocal that's, it stands out for good or bad, right? This band, that's not what, that's not how these songs work. I think you even pointed that out, Whitney. It's like the vocal is to, is there to deliver the melody mm -hmm. and then they use some harmonies to make it richer and you know sweeter but it's not about the lead vocal i think yeah, that holds back the genre in general from probably really it. truly breaking through the radio exactly jf i have a note right here it says andy bob's vocals are a little nasally and occasionally thin which is certainly not uncommon in the genre so it just it is what it is mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean that's it's a good record. I mean, I don't know. Uh I looked real hard on Pitchfork to see if I could see if they trashed it. They didn't. They didn't even have a review on it, surprise. So No. I'm making I'm making a reference to you guys barking about Pitchfork. Uh I don't remember, was it the Utopia Parkway record? Oh yeah. Where they get like a three or something like that. It was, yeah. And then said like, everybody that lives in the suburbs doesn't know anything about music, basically. So essentially, yes. I thought that was funny. And I also have the Godsmack record, but I don't think I've listened to it more than once. And what's what's funny is it's like those are the people who pour over, you know, sitting in their bedroom, pour over record after record, listening to everything from you know the aforementioned Beatles, but like Todd Rundgren and the raspberries and all these like bands and go, I, I think we can do that, but it takes, a, it's hard. I mean, it's not easy to write a catchy hook. Mm -hmm. it's, not anybody can do it. You have to like, listen to a lot of music and really understand arrangement. Like it does. These songs don't sound complicated, but there's a lot of stuff. Like Jay mentioned, the guitar lines are not, straightforward and simple there are there are little riffs happening all over the place there are interesting chord choices that are happening that are not standard chord choices for your average pop song where they're just using the one four five and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff this is a lot more um complex even though it's pop yeah that's the that's the tricky part um but you know it's not like power pop doesn't have its moment. I mean, we talk about Fountains of Wayne. Fountains of Wayne had a huge single like that is still in the pop culture ether. But to Whitney's point, I think you were talking about to me, that's a novelty song. It is. Right. So I think that you can. The rules here, we're, we're starting to write. <laughs> it seems to be if you're a power pop band that wants to break through, you need to write a novelty song. Yeah, I love the hell out of that song. But yeah, it's a novelty song. Is Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet a novelty song? No. Or was that just so. at the right time because it, it was, was at the right time? It was perfect. I think it was perfect. It you know it was perfect timing. Probably wasn't meant to be perfectly timed, but it just turned out that way. 
that's before, my opinion anyway. Before we leave the uh, what doesn't work, I do need to point out a couple oh. of things that are not about the music. Okay. The band name is really bad. Not, yeah. not gonna, not helping. <laughs> it's, the, not a, it's not a great name, yeah. The album cover is really bad. Not helping, like. Not it doesn't give you any idea what here. this band is. Right. And the ideas it's giving me is not what this band sounds like. Even the album title with the upside down exclamation point. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> like little things like that. You're like, what am I even looking at? Is this how do you, is this a word? Is this like Yeah, yeah. So Seems like a theme with me. I got the umlauts and that one and now the upside down Yeah, man, point. you're using some weird uh some weird um <laughs> Can I tell you anything to be not as pop or as uh, mainstream as everyone else? I guess I can't remember what an exclamation point is called. What's what's the uh, punctuation? Weird punctuation. Uh, punctuation mark. Or a bang, I think we call it, don't we? In the computer biz, do we still call exclamation points bangs? I don't know. Maybe we never did. I don't but know. Th these are all things that had the label been paying attention to them. Like as they should be or putting people around them that really like believed in the band probably would have found a way to help them overcome like <laughs> hey guys who yeah. who, who do we were talking about was it tesla we were talking about tim mm -hmm. that episode that like they were gonna go with city kid as the name and somebody came in it's like hey you probably should change that band name <laughs> uh like, yeah it was either tom zuzat or however you say his name or it was um uh, yeah the uh Ronnie Montrose, because they had the, some, you know, nice backers. Yeah. I think so one of those guys was like, this is a terrible name. Successful <laughs> this says bands nothing have, about you. Have a, some people around them who are pretty smart with when it comes to packaging and like know the right way at the right time to sort of help some bands out make the right, right decisions. And those are just yeah. three that as I'm looking at how this band is packaged, we're not going to help them in any way reach an audience that they need to reach. Right, because like if you look at some of the other albums that you've suggested, like for example, the Caviar record, that has a very specific look to mm -hmm. the cover. It's got that specific font. It's got Even the this... name conveys like some idea of like what the band's about. Right, it's a little indulgent, over the top, like glammy. Yeah, kind of fancy. So I just noticed that the last two records before this, the, the Wonder Band and Death Ray, both were white covers, but then they superimposed a picture uh, on top of that. You didn't go with that trend. You didn't find another white no. cover. No, I don't. You're right. The the love nut, I don't know what it means. It's I'm nutty about love or I don't know. It could be something else we're talking about. Uh, and the yeah, the background, the album, even though it looks nice behind Tim and I, uh, it's not very descriptive of anything. No, it doesn't tell you. I mean, it, it could be a hip hop album. It could yeah. you know, this is from a neighborhood in Baltimore mm -hmm. or an electronic <laughs> album. Like it says nothing about what the, the band is. Now, if you like have a guitar somewhere in there, like yeah. getting tossed out the window or something, or, <laughs> you know, this, exactly. all the, their gear is like sitting on the street in front of that. Like, give me, give me some idea of what we're getting into here, as opposed to this stock photo. Apparently I don't, I don't even know if it's stock photo, but it could be of this neighborhood 
I'm guessing that's yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, those are great points. Maybe some miscalculations there for sure. Well, in addition to offering retroactive producer advice, Jay and, Al- Jay and I also have retroactive album cover <laughs> and band name Very advice. Creative. Very creative, guys. <laughs> we can uh, we can fix it in post. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our overall ratings on this record. We'll share the poll results in just a moment. But, Jay, where do you land? Where the album better ep or decent single i'm gonna wear the album i did not uh i did not ax many from my notes here really there's uh maybe three songs that i think are average i don't even know that i'd skip them i just think they're not as strong as the others uh i enjoyed this quite a bit i'm really was really taken to with the just the overall production of it I, again looking at the album cover when i first you know dropped in my my apple music and i saw the album cover i was like uh-oh like just from a standpoint of like oh the, the recording of this is not going to be good <laughs> uh and it's fantastic it sounds amazing so uh it's very listenable where'd you land him I'm also to where the album, I would move some, like, I think Love Found You should open the record. I think that that drum part is a perfect opener to, like, set the set the mood. And um, not that I don't like Bob Pine, I think from Beltamucho, I mean, take it or leave or whatever. But um, I think that would be a great opener. And then there are a couple of the mid-tempo songs, like Message and and everything is going your way. I, I would probably ax those, but that's about it. There's nothing, there's nothing bad. Let's put it that way. There's not a bad song here. There's just a couple that make it drag on a little bit on the back half. And I wish it was maybe 12 instead of 15 or 16 really. Uh, but it's, it's a great sounding record. I really love the guitar tone on this album i would love to know what they did to get it because it's so dry and and sounds like a buzzsaw at times it's just such a cool tone it doesn't it doesn't sound like like typically when i think of guitar tones for power pop records i think of them as a little bit have a little more sheen on them i guess and this has a little bit more edge that i was expecting so that's that really helped put it over the top for me so we're the album as well whitney already said it was a worthy album okay Uh, you're done but but no i said well before i said it was on patreon so i let the cat out of the bag there or whatever the expression is i could probably do without falling down or message i was gonna say i could do without everything is going your way but it sounds like it could have been a track on heaven tonight so i was like no i can't chop that one um that's a cheap trick for all the young people here uh cheap trick we're a band or are a band from the 1970s to the, the 1970s current day. and 80s and they sucked in the well whatever we won't go into the history um yeah but that's that's about it i've i i really like the record i'm glad i uh it was one of about 10 i was considering it's like okay this is the one i'll go with this time and hopefully they'll forgive me the um kind of the 60s and 70s stuff we spoke of earlier that you mentioned it's it's a little bit um it's very influenced, but like you said, all those tricks and skills that the band has really put over the top. 
The only time it was like blatant was when he actually uh, uh, borrowed the melody from While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Like Mm -hmm. then I was like, wait a minute. I know what this is. He sampled it. No, I'm kidding. Well, I'm curious, like. I know you can be sued for chord. Like Led Zeppelin (laughs) was sued by Spirit for that chord progression thing, although they lost. Um, But like, can you sue for a melody lift? Like, I don't know. I guess if it's short enough, it doesn't matter. I mean, we don't. Do we have the the song credits? They could have given them credit. I don't Uh, have it in front of me. I think I. I, Yeah, I don't. They're not in the ninety three tag, so I can't say. That's possible. Yeah, I mean, if they if they credit him, then they cut him in on whatever three cents they made. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know because it says performed by Love Nut again. Terrible name. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you can. Well, well is, is Death this... Ray a good name, Tim? I do like yes. Death Ray. Yeah, it's a great name. Is uh and caviar you said was a good name, Wonder Band or whatever is definitely not a good That's not good. Death Ray is like, oh, it could be a little aggressive. It's also a little retro. It's it's kind of fun. We're going through my picks. How about, how about human radio? Is that a good one? You guys are the creatives here for naming eh, bands. That's okay. It's all right. It's better than Love Knot, but it's it's no death ray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, we have standards that we must uh adhere to. Adhere to yes, uh, but this one is the trifecta of uh, not a good album cover, not a good album title, and not a good band name. That's but the tri- music, but the music is just great. like they should just change the name of the, like just take the album as it is, repackage it, give it a new name, and just release it now, and don't even like acknowledge that it was released in nineteen ninety eight. Just send it out. Like it's a brand new record. Like it's not available anywhere. Nobody will know. True. Yeah. It's on YouTube. That's the only place. Did you put it up on YouTube, Whitney? No, I didn't. I, I flacked you guys. That's as much as I got. That's as duplicate. That's as, uh, that's the, that's all the duplication I can live with without getting a guilty conscience. Got it. You know, cause they might be able to sell these, this record, like Jay said, repackage it and just sell it and make tons of money off it. By the way, I posted in our uh, Patreon a picture of the Japanese version of the record. Mm-hmm. That actually has an extra song on it called I Don't Know. I did not know. You did not that know that? That was a thing, no. Yeah. So uh, it is never been s- sold on Discogs. Nobody's ever bought or sold the Japanese version, Just. What the hell is wrong with me? Everything I pick, nobody wants to hear or buy or stream. I'm going to. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the promo <laughs> version of the Japanese album. The actual album has has been. Yeah, track 15. I don't know. Is a I Diano. It's D I O N T, like Dion. I'm going to have to pronounce that. I'm going to pick that up somehow just for that one song. Get it. It's it's available for like five bucks. Let me see here. But you got to get it from Japan. So good luck on the shipping. Now there's an eight dollar one uh, in the in the U.S. Yeah, you can grab it. 
Dub Store USA has it. They're out of uh, the Wilmington. Japanese version of it. They have the Japanese version. It's what they say. They say they have the Japanese version. Oh, I might have to go about getting that. I might have to pick that up. You might want to message them first just to make sure. Just be like, are you All guys right. pulling my leg? You really got the Japanese version because I need that song. I need that extra track. Oh, not that much of a fanboy. Hey, I used to buy import UK singles, multiples of the same song because they would do different B-sides on the different singles Wow, for their chart position over there. So, nice. yeah, I understand about fanboying over <laughs> foreign foreign editions. Now, at Patreon, the vote was split 50-50 between Worthy Album and Better EP. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, probably... I'm sure, th- I'm sure thousands voted for that, but... Was not thousands. Okay. I'm going to have to knock off a couple zeros. Okay. Based on knowing our listenership. And, and who's our patrons? That does not surprise me. Although Ian didn't vote. He said he didn't vote because he couldn't listen to the record. So an uh, honest person. He didn't vote. He wasn't informed. Right. That's a that's that's honorable. Very. Whitney, thank you for bringing this record to us. I know you had trepidation about repeating your you know style. I do. I don't want to be a one trick pony or whatever. But I just got to lean into know. it. How are you feeling now? Feeling good. I was not sure what you guys would really think of this because I think it is pretty blatantly power pop. It's just well recorded and louder than most. But you went for it, so that's cool. I've only had one record now. I'm going to brag again that you guys haven't both said that you guys both haven't said were the album on out of seven, and that was the Human Radio one because Jay gave it a Jay gave it a better ep i think he needs to re-listen to it no i'm kidding but otherwise i'm on a streak i'm still i'm still rolling hey don't bring your roll you don't don't change poorly recorded quiet power pop no i will <laughs> only that. bring us loud well recorded well recorded let me take a note here get on the keyboard and take that down <laughs> yeah <laughs> guitars guitars and more well recorded guitars that's the that's the key here um well yeah thanks for having me and thanks for making it so easy to to talk about the record because you guys pretty much nailed it awesome well we enjoy having you we enjoy talking with you over at the discord and uh shooting the proverbial poop there's a lot of poop there that's for sure there is there's a whole uh there's a whole hootie and and discussion today (laughs) Oh, I didn't see that today. It was that they were talking. There was a whole discussion of of uh, U two and the Verve, mm-hmm. which I did not understand. Comparing U two and the Verve, that seemed like two different worlds there. But got me. Hey, I just let people do their thing, and mm-hmm. uh, I just harassed Jay in the UFO section. <laughs> when I saw I find the, the UFO stuff, super interesting. I just, I just wish I could believe. You know, I wish it was Fox Mulder. I wish I could believe, but it's not yeah. about belief. It's you're 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 like me. Oh, you're whatever. a Dana I, you're, That's true. It's not a religion. It's Darn not it. a religion. And now Jay's going to be mad at me. Science is just about a level of confidence. It's mm-hmm. not a belief. I did not want to make Jay mad. I take back all um, my UAP stuff. Yeah, when I saw the conversation on YouTube, I felt like that Homer Simpson meme where I'm just like, I have nothing to say. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to disappear. Into the into the the just disappear. <laughs> I have nothing yeah. to contribute to this conversation. I'm going to go 
invisible. That's the best thing to do a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, I've never been passionate about you two, so I I don't care. <laughs> right. Don't have hot take to share. As long as they're not putting stuff on my phone without me knowing. That I was don't. a miscalculation, definitely. Yeah. I would love I would love for there to be a scene when that happens in their when they make whenever they eventually make their movie about you two, like the Ray and and Walk the Line, they'll do a U2 movie, you know, Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody, where they they show them like planning to do it. And then the reaction of people being pissed off. <laughs> and then Bono being like sitting in an office to be like, that might not have been a good idea. <laughs> With Just, his sunglasses on, so you can't really Yeah. See yeah. That might have been a bad choice. I think it was, but uh that's all right. I, I heard they redeemed themselves at the sphere in Las Vegas, put on a great show. So I'd I'd uh I'd actually check them out there. I don't think I'd go to see you two at a regular stadium, but at the sphere where I can look pretty cool. Look at this. That's where the that's where the Love Nut reunion show is gonna be, I think, at the sphere. <laughs> is, is it gonna be there? That's I awesome. So. I read something about that. I forgot to mention it earlier. Okay. That's well, we'll look forward to that. It's They'll slot them in between the Grateful Dead and Fish because those are apparently the bands that are going to play there. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't be uh, going to the Sphere anytime soon. Imagine yes. if Tool played the Sphere and had control over all of the like visuals. That, that would, would be, be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Just the the video for Sober up on a massive screen. <laughs> in front of yeah, you it's scary people sand. talk about that that could go viral yeah oh yeah um i need to remind folks that you can be like whitney and suggest an album by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com you can vote in the polls for albums you can vote in our monthly tournaments where 18 albums enter and one album leaves based on suggestions made by anyone over at digmeoutpodcast.com. Also at Patreon, you can read the box newsletter. It's a weekly roundup of new releases for 80s, 90s, and aughts relevant music, books, movies, TV shows, etc. With history of the bands. Also, uh, based on what's in our polls and our new episodes, all via our newsletter. And we have kicked off Dig Me Out 80s Metal with new episodes every other week, along with our friendship midnight, diving into the metal of our youth that Jay and Chip enjoyed and I completely missed out on, except for Def Leppard and Bon Jovi and the <laughs> obvious radio songs. So if you'd like to hear... Two very knowledgeable hear. people and one <laughs> fish out of water. But here, uh, Tim, hear this music for the first time. Yes. This is the podcast you want to hear. The song that's is a called. Good, that's a good vibe to have, though. That's a good. Smooth Up In You. Okay. <laughs> that's a good. Uh, that's that's nice, though, to have that. Maybe someone who isn't as familiar with it. Yeah. It's a nice dynamic. It worked out. So, nice you dynamic. know, Chip and I, I are like going to get all sentimental and. Yeah. You know, have all the nostalgia going. And Tim's going to be like, I don't know what any of this is. Tim's going to be the voice of truth in that thing. Right. They keep talking about the USSR. What <laughs> is that? 
<laughs> hey, Tesla was the Tesla one was really good, so I enjoyed that. So thanks for doing it. Awesome. Thank you. It was And fun. uh that will be dropping if not already, it will be dropping soon. We don't have as strict a schedule like we do with this podcast where it's every Tuesday for 14 years. That one will be a little bit uh Chip is held a schedule, probably. Yeah. What? I said Chip has probably held the schedule. He's got all those interviews He's going a busy, on. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's doing all sorts of interviews and uh, he's got a Pac-Man machine to play. I mean, he's got stuff Maven. going on. I think you he guys, has a day every, job you guys too. all are. I mean, Tim's a artist. He's making music and Jay's publishing books now and everything else. I don't know. Well, we're all we got stuff. Jay's using a machine to draw like some sort of futuristic <laughs> oh, that robot. Was, that was pretty crazy. That was pretty amazing. That's my favorite thing to do is make machines do work while I just watch them and laugh. <laughs> Skills. That's right, Roomba. <laughs> You're going to clean this floor. Be my It's bitch. pretty much gotten to that point. Okay. Whitney, thank you once again. It's been great hanging out with you. Thanks. Uh, For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Hey.